Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film They Came Together. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, please be aware that the plot may be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello, you are listening to Big Boys Don't Cry, professional intro once again. Like real, yeah, like we're real folks, real professional yeah. men. <laughs> I ruined it already. Super professional. We were just talking in the green room about um, giving your laptop a Viking burial, which I, I think is a good idea. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. My my laptop um, is struggling. The arrow keys are starting to stop working. Um, so at some point, it's going to have to be retired. And I think what better way to do it than to put a shit out into a lake on a little mini boat and set it on fire. Yeah, I'll build the boat for you. Yeah, I need to do. I need a wood woodworking project. I've got a bunch of wood in my in my new shed that I need to work on. So there we go. We could do yeah, that. Build build me a build me a little mini a mini sailboat for my for my laptop. It'd be a good excuse to sit in my shed doing woodwork and ignoring my family. I mean, when you've got a shed and a family, you've got to, haven't you? It's the the rule. You've got. What to spend... else are sheds for? <laughs> sheds are for hiding away from your loved ones. Yeah, and, exactly. And doing menial tasks in them. Hey, if you think I'm gonna, uh, it's gonna be a menial task building you this boat. You're wrong. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into this. I'm gonna build you the best boat, exactly shaped for your MacBook that the world has ever seen. You could. You could start a whole business, couldn't you, of of Mac boats? Mac boats. MacBook um, Air. Yeah. The iBoat. MacBook Pro. Um. Yeah, because people would would love um would would love to be able to send their apple products off to the to apple valhalla and then maybe style. tim apple will buy the business and um <laughs> yeah we can um we'll make loads of money and we can retire on it and just do this show and nothing else i think that's the dream that, right <laughs> that that's exactly the dream um i think that what apple stores are missing is a woodwork section at the back yeah build not just boats so, for your MacBook, yeah, come but on. little little chairs for it all, all sorts yeah a little rocking chair yeah, uh, or a rocking horse, maybe for for smaller juvenile MacBooks. Yeah, juvenile MacBooks—that's the one that you have, <laughs> you boy. Yeah, that's that's what I've got. I've got a a, a juvie, a juvie MacBook. Juvie wasn't that the name of um, Zoe Deschanel's character in Elf? Oh no, that's Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Just as bad, really, isn't oh, it? It is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish it was Christmas. But instead, it's it's the time I, in England when it's either br- blazing sun or torrential rain. And you never know which one it's going to be next. I wish it could be Christmas every day, but yes, you're you're right. It is that time of year where it's going to be horrible weather or slightly too bright weather for this time of year. When it comes to the summer, you're expecting nice sunny, bright days, and you can lounge around in a pair of shorts with a copperberg. Um, but, uh, but at the moment, you know, we're in May and you think 
Mm. No, this is too bright for me. My eyes have not adjusted to summertime yet. My poor pale skin. I actually did get sunburnt um, in the baseball game last Sunday. So not this Sunday, just the one before that. And my neck is still a bit red. Ah, Very stupid. I feel very foolish getting sunburnt. Dangerous. Yeah. My neck might fall off. And then you'll have to do a podcast with just a head. <laughs> the necklace wonder. Yeah. Um, but enough about our government. It all... In um, in film news, <laughs> um, it's the 20th anniversary of Shrek and Charles Grodin died. So there's some film stuff for you. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's very sad. Very sad that, um, that Charles Grodin died. Um, we both love him very, very much. He was pretty old. He did well. Um, but it's still, it's still a yes, tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. You feel like there might have still um, been one so... more iconic film role in him. Yeah, you could see him being given a role in in a um as as a in a sort of contemptuous old man role in a in a bespoke artistic film director project couldn't you yeah something like all those boring ones that robert redford's in now but fun <laughs> you know like um i'm just gonna name films i haven't seen our souls at night and um <laughs> the old man and the gun something like that but actually enjoyable Old Man to watch. on the Sea. Yeah. The Old Man Gets um, in the Sea, that one. Yeah, Old Man Gets in the Sea. Um, I think that we could have a gritty, we could have had a gritty Martin Scorsese take on Beethoven. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. And Six could, hours long. Be in it. Intended to be watched yeah. only in the cinema. <laughs> the, um, the, the soundtrack is only incredibly loud booming beethoven <laughs> just like dog noises the on, and surround the only, sound the only exception being a techno remix at one point of rollover beethoven of rollover beethoven done yeah. by moby yeah exactly exactly i, I could go um, for that yeah i think that this would have been great but alas we'll never have it no the reboot of Beethoven is something that needs to happen, though, if it could be done well. I mean, that's the question, is could it be done well? Yeah, that's a, that's a very... It's a tough question to ask. You need to get really good people. Everyone behind it and in front of it would need to be good. By in front of it, I mean the actors, you know, the people you see. <laughs> that's the yes. right film terminology, right? I think we need CGI Beethoven. Obviously, technology has now improved enough that you could make a horrifying CGI dog. And not need to have 10 different dogs to play one dog. No, no, because, you know... Oh, be what when, Disney when calls children... live action. <laughs> yeah, when, I'm not going to say it's when children... live action. It's what Disney calls live action. It's, it's like the artist Disney's formerly known as action. Prince. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, when children want go to see a movie about animals, what they want is horrifying CGI monstrosities not animals yeah of course um, so we understand this we've tapped into this market and i think that we need to recognize that what children want from their beethoven reboot is a horrifying cgi saint bernard what people want from their beethoven reboot is cujo <laughs> exactly exactly um, I mean, that's the thing is we could make a killing here by remaking both because we could use the same CGI models for both films. Oh, yeah, that would be very cheap, very economical. Same actors as well, exactly. maybe, if they're up same for Same actors, yeah. We film them back to back. Yeah. 
you know, you just gotta you just gotta clean the blood off the set before you shoot the Beethoven scene. Cujo first. You yeah, get of the hard one out of the way first, right? Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah, get that one out of the way, and then you have a little bit of fun afterwards. Yeah, um, get all the seriousness out. Beethoven's the pudding. Around and pretend, because because also what actors want to do is rather than play with a real dog, particularly kid actors, rather than have a real dog on set, they want Andy Circus. They want to run up to Andy Circus and pat him on the head. Yeah, um, because because Beethoven and Cujo will be played by Andy Circus, of course. He, if anyone could do it, it's him. Or yeah, who's the guy yeah, who exactly. does the fish man in um, The Shape of Water? That guy, he could probably oh, do yes, it. Oh, yes, yeah. He could do it as well. He could do it as well. But um, yeah, maybe both of them. Maybe they swap it every so often. We keep rolling 24 hours and we just trade trades the dog actor off. We shoot it over 12 years, like boyhood. <laughs> Watch <laughs> yeah. the dog's age. I mean, you could, you could do that, couldn't you? You could do Mar- Marley and Me. But boyhood, where it is over the entire lifespan of a dog. Which, to be fair, that's what that film, that's about the time period that that film covers. And they had to use yes, about yeah. 50 different dogs. So, yeah, that would yeah, be so, one, so one why didn't they do it only. with a real dog? Yeah. Starts out, he's a beautiful little puppy. And then over 12 years, yeah, he get the family gets to know him and love him. And eventually, Andy Serkis dies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Spoiler alert for oh. Molly and me. <laughs> The dog <laughs> in case anyone didn't know about the notoriously sad dog film um <laughs> yeah there are days when i wish we um we had called this podcast sad dog films instead and had just done sad dog films but i think it is a bit more limiting oh uh, yeah i don't think we would have been able to get to episode whatever number episode we're up to now 205 i think 205 episodes yeah we wouldn't have got that far with sad dog films and we'd never have been able to talk about they came together which is this week's film it they is. came thank together you for... like do do it's a film yeah <laughs> thank you for bringing us into the topic of this this uh week's film um so they came together is a film that is what it is it is it is, <laughs> it is, it is and a film. movie um had you heard of it? Had you been interested in it before we watched it? I'd heard of it, yes. Um, and I thought that I had not seen it before, but when it started, I realised that I had seen it before and had forgotten about it, which is not ah. always a good sign, is it? When you're um, <laughs> when you're starting to watch a film, it's like I have seen this, or maybe I watched like half of it when it was on TV once. Like I remembered kind of the opening shots, the the framing bit of um the couples having a dinner and then telling their story, but I didn't remember much of the rest of it, so maybe I caught half of it once. But it obviously didn't I grab see. my attention that much at the time. So did, did had you seen it before? No, I had not. So I'm a fan of Wet Hot American Summer and the various spin-offs and sequels that there have been since it came out. Oh yes. Um which I don't know if you know Wet Hot yeah so a few years ago they made the tv series of it right and it was much hyped at the time and i watched the first couple of episodes to say i was whelmed at best see the thing is that is this where you tell me that it gets better after you have to watch two seasons of it before it's good which is what i say to people about parks and recreation so you know fair enough but like see i i did have that with parks and rec where i started watching and thought why does everyone enjoy this so much i'm done with it and then did exactly the same thing with Community, where I thought, this is fine, but I could be watching Always Sunny. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I thought about <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. Um, 
the issue is i'm not going to say it gets better over time what i will say is the wet hot american summer sequels slash prequels are entirely based around you having watched the original movie right okay um so i should have watched the film first yeah so if you went into it immediately um you would have had no idea what was going on Uh, there's a lot of referential humor and just tonally it plays on the fact that you understand the original work um which is why it's such a strange thing for netflix to pick up because it's a movie that has a cult following but generally isn't particularly popular um so appreciate that they made it but i'd love to know how many people actually watched it particularly given that for a long time you couldn't watch wet hot american summer anywhere easily on streaming services <laughs> so you could only watch the sequel slash prequels um which is very very odd um so um yeah so it's a bit um a bit of an odd one uh to 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 watch halfway through it's like picking up um a, a novel halfway through and expecting to get the understanding of it right unfortunately. um so i would recommend watching the movie the, the original and and seeing if you enjoy that because if you enjoy that you can then probably go back we could get around to that at some point couldn't we um yeah i think we can i think we can but um, a lot of people whose opinions i respect like it so you know it's something i'm sure i'll get around to um but i what i wouldn't what i would say though is that it's not lots of people make it out to be this greatest comedy ever and i wouldn't say that but i would say that it's a fun send-up of like 80s camp movies yeah and that's that's as far as it goes and you know what it sets out to do it does well um the the i actually probably enjoy the others a little bit more because they build on that in some truly bizarre ways which i like um but you wouldn't necessarily be able to enjoy that without having watched the grounding first uh first film but they came together as a lot more self-contained yeah um so did you enjoy perhaps if you are aware of the comedy of david wayne and michael showalter the the writers and the stuff they've done before so as i said i've seen some of their work not all of it but it's they seem to have uh as you say a sort of a cult following and a lot of lot of fans their stuff is quite popular and has i think does have a particular tone to it doesn't it yes yeah i mean you look at things like um Children's Hospital, for instance, is another thing that they worked on, and that that feels very similar again. Um, and I've not watched Search Party, but I hear that that's also no, me um, neither. Rather, rather funny. Um, but obviously, you know, we this isn't our first venture into the works of uh, Michael Showalter in particular, because he did direct um, The Big Sick. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that was a very, very good film. Um, yeah, which is which is a fantastic movie. But uh, that feels very, very different from the kind of tone Wayne have, um, which I think is probably a. I I expect it to be a pretty marmite thing, um, where if you don't get on with that kind of self-referential, loving parody humor, you're probably really going to hate everything that they do <laughs> but um yeah i think but, that's yeah, what, kind of what, what i was you, getting what at. did you think yeah, yeah i i i think um that's the kind of thing that i was getting at like i i do get what they do and i do enjoy it but at times <clears throat> like i don't 
necessarily love it at times it's a little bit hard to get on with as you say it can be self-referential and sometimes it can be um you know a little bit a little bit literal and a little bit like this film perhaps is one of the examples of when it's not necessarily at its best i I did enjoy it but their their humor is not necessarily at, at its best here because it's they're trying to send up romantic comedies okay we get that but it's like what they're they're doing it in sort of a quite a literal and obvious way and i'm not saying that everything has to be like a really biting satire but you know what i mean that like it's there's a lot of gags and a lot of funny moments like every line is a gag but it doesn't necessarily like hang together and have a real comedic punch did you find that yeah i I think i probably agree i wouldn't necessarily say i enjoyed this as much as the other stuff of theirs i've seen um i still enjoyed it um i i enjoy that kind of offbeat humor that they've got and I still appreciate seeing a spoof where they clearly have a love for the genre because all too often spoofs these days just descend into, ha, this is dumb. Here's Look at this dumb twerking, shit. Here's twerking Kim Jong-un. Get it? <laughs> Pop culture reference. What's that um, a spoof of? <laughs> well, it's it's not, but you know what I mean? Like often, A spoof often, of North Korea. <laughs> Yeah, often often spoof movies descend into just pop culture references loosely tied around the plot of a movie that the director's watched once. And that's that's I wouldn't say that's true here with They Came Together no. where it's it's a splicing, this merging of all of these different tropes into one generally cohesive story that's for me at least it's done rather well. Uh, it feels a little bit conservative at times and I would have liked them to go really off the rails um in more moments um and i think the strangest moments were the ones that really um really made me laugh the most i'd like to have seen it Um, what your definition of more off the rails is of a film that includes a guy shitting in a superhero costume (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's what i mean is that's the kind of um that that's the kind of moment where i thought okay this has literally nothing to do with the rest of the story and and rather than the scene of him shitting which you don't see no you know, this isn't bridesmaids, bridesmaids. <laughs> um but what what it does have is a whole scene afterwards where he makes up this elaborate backstory about how um you know he's now going as to this halloween party as guy who's just got out of the shower and it's such an obvious lie and then he walks out and then one of the, one of the other members of the cast turns and goes oh i wonder who shat in his suit <laughs> and those kind of moments those those bizarre moments are what really made it for me paul rudd turning up to uh, the dinner for the first time um uh, amy Poehler's parents and it turning out that her parents are white supremacists yeah that is amazing uh, genuinely made me laugh out loud that moment um, and particularly how it then turns into the the genre trope of the falling out between the two uh, love interests over something inconsequential. Whereas actually, I mean, this would probably be a pretty big deal breaker. And I love the way that they flipped it and turned it back into the mode of the story. Um, other moments that really made me laugh, Paul Rudd nearly having sex with his grandma. Yep. And um, it, brilliant. It, it, it's shoot like the shot goes down to like her dress lifting up and there's a bum that's clearly like a young woman's bum that's quite funny. yeah like a like a mid-20s butt double yeah extremely funny disgusting but um, very funny yes yeah um and um 
Not the uh, bum, the, the no, incest no, part. The, yeah, the, the incest part is really funny. It's really well done. And you, you're watching it and you're thinking, no, they're not going to go here for comedy, are they? And then they do. And then it's sort of never mentioned again either. It's just brilliantly handled. Um, Michael Shannon turning up yep. as the dad out of jail with a sword. <laughs> It, I, I wrote down that my, it is, the movie is vastly improved by Michael Shannon doing a Michael Shannon thing. <laughs> As Michael, <laughs> yes, Shannon. Michael, Michael Shannon is Michael Shannon. And just before that, Jeffrey D. Morgan as well. Yeah, literally um, who, has like two lines. Yeah, two lines. Um, so all of those moments, the really bizarre stuff, I think worked incredibly well and was very funny and really built on the concept that they were trying to do. You know the bits where, like, um, uh, the uh, the the uh, the sort of rival character played by Michael Ian Black takes he's a great cond he, he takes a condom out of the guy's desk and is like, "I'm going to go see your girlfriend." It's not in his um, desk, though. They've got a bowl of unwrapped. Condoms. Yeah, yeah, the what bowl of unwrapped about? condoms. Wouldn't they like dry <laughs> Which, out? Yeah. I assume so. Yes, but um, yeah, th- those kind of moments, those really strange moments are great where i think michael Ian black is 49 down. years old sorry i'm just on his page oh really he looks about 30 maybe not even 30 <laughs> good for you michael Ian black we love you yeah no we, we do we do he's very good for um, and yeah and and i think those odd moments work really well those are brilliant where i think this movie doesn't succeed as as well is perhaps in the more tame moments, I think the general comedy, the general con- conceit, I suppose, of this parody is maybe a little bit too restrained. Um, you know, there's there's moments that are really funny. Um, the 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 back and forth at the dinner table is decent, and that's a lot around for the the charm and charisma of the four characters there. Um but I feel like it could have been a little bit stranger and maybe they could have ramped up the strangeness over time, Just why the end works so well, but it feels like there could have been more of that as it went along. I, I absolutely agree. And I think um, you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the, the thing with like her parents being white supremacists and that's just like one tiny scene when actually that kind of thing being part of the plot and that actually being a thing that develops the story would have made this a lot stronger Um Rather, I mean, the film doesn't necessarily have any aspirations beyond being like a, a goofy and consequential parody of romantic comedies. Fine, but you can still do that, I think, whilst having a story of consequence. And instead, what they do is have a, a bunch of scenes in which the characters tell the jokes to each other. Like they tell you, this, this is the joke. Like, hey, you're you're my friend and my buddy from work and I've got commitment issues and stuff. And that is funny. But it's like, yeah, the, the, it starts to get a bit thin after a while, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. The first couple of times that it happens, it's very funny. Um, I'd say that in general, whenever Jason Manzoukas is on screen, it's great because he is wonderful. Yeah. Um, but and and so the first few times where that happens, where he's like, "I'm your work friend," um, and then and they're throwing they're a football playing, around in the in the office. yeah when they're all playing yeah exactly yeah and then when they're all playing basketball as well and they say. I'm the one who has sex with all the women. I'm the one who's married or I'm the one who's very sad and lonely and I'm a poet. Yeah. That that works and then fine. And to Paul Rudd like, "Hey guy, who's got all of like a little bit of all of these traits from all of us cuz it's the perfect guy. It's you now." 
Yes, yeah, exactly. And and that all works that all works really well. The issue is that they then overplay it and it and it goes on and on and on. Whereas in fact what you could do is okay, you've told that joke, let's shift into something else. Yeah. Um, but it, it falls back on safety a little bit too much for my liking. Yeah, for sure. And it, in a way that works because what it's parodying is the safety of romantic comedies right and it clearly loves that and wants to send it up as well so you know that there's always room for that but yeah you you wish it could have been a bit more daring although it is it's always going to be funny to me um that um ed helms's character is called egbert flaps (laughs) yes yeah no that is great um also randall park in this movie in a tiny role yeah he's all he does is like he has one grimace (laughs) yeah exactly you could have done something with him and his character you could have had more fun with yeah the the whole kind of sweet shop thing yeah um but but i quite like that there's all of these people in it that are just there for fun and i think that's great you know the, the cast i'd say is great and i think they all do a really fantastic job there's no one here i think which didn't get the memo um and they're all pitch perfect for the vision of what this movie's meant to be um but i just wish that the vision was a little bit yeah i absolutely agree what what carries it is is paul rudd and amy poehler and everyone else but yeah both of their performances are fantastic and knowing they know exactly what they're doing they're having fun with it you know they're clearly enjoying doing it and they're inhabiting that role so yeah they they managed to carry it quite well and if that wasn't the case then i think it would be difficult to watch yeah and, and what i think is funny is how you know these are people which could quite easily and have been in romantic comedies of this ilk. And I think that's what really helps as well is, you know, obviously it's a lot of uh, wet, hot, wet, hot American summer alumni here, but equally these people have all gone on to be in various different romantic comedies or mainstream comedies of their own right. I mean, you've got, I mean, Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Ellie Kemper. Um, yeah. All of them have been leads in rom-coms at some point. Um, Ed Helms as well, of course, has been in all sorts of films like that. Um, Randall Park as well. Um, You've got all these people that are actually, you know, veterans of, um, of the genre. And I think that's also what really helps bring it together. Um, You know, you've got a real charming cast here who, and they all as industry experts understand what they're, what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, sometimes you look at the the cast list and say, "Oh, that's someone who's actually does quite big roles, and he's in this for a tiny thing." It's a little bit like David Wayne and Michael Showalter being, "Look at all these great people we can get." You know, here's Adam Scott pretending to be a sound engineer while Nora Jones sings for no reason. That was actually quite enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that that's what they're doing. I think it's more that people really enjoy working with them on these projects um and so they're of course really happy to to take part um and here's keenan you know, from keenan and kel here's keenan and Ke- from keenan and kel no kel um no. here's his here's zach orth with a pole out of his ass yeah um <laughs> now that's is, when that again, kind of really literal funny. very literal humor is funny when yeah. like yeah a thing yeah. that people say all the time like a, a an idiom or something is suddenly then brought to life i do like that i appreciate that yeah and i think those moments are fantastic um you know it's it's and that that where it's sort of more absurd um and it can be meandering and absurd and very funny 
Um, I I don't know if you enjoyed it, but I really liked the bit where where Paul Rudd goes to the bar and they get stuck in that loop. Of oh saying, God. yeah. Oh, tell me about it. It's like, oh, you came in here looking like clap, uh, crap and you haven't said very much. You can say that again. You came in here looking like crap and you haven't said very much. And it goes on for, initially it goes on to be funny. Then it goes on into unfunny. And then it goes on into funny again. That's, it it yeah, is like a, a two comedy. minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's Stuart Lee comedy. Um, and then it sort of gets interrupted and they go back on with the actual story. Um, and, I, you know, those kind of moments are are very good. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, but there is something missing, isn't there? Yeah. There's something missing. And it's not that long either. It's only like, what, an hour and 15 you know, it, it gets there very quickly, you know, quicker than even a regular uh, one of the romantic comedies that it's parodying would get to the end. So and you don't resent it for that because you wouldn't want it stretching out any of those gags even more than, you know, a lot of the gags wouldn't do well to be stretched out like that, would they? They're kind of you say the line that that's the gag and you move on. But it's like, yeah, even though it's the right length, it still feels like you want more. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just, yeah, there's something, there's something slightly disappointing here, at least for me. And it's not that I went into this expecting the world. Um, what I tell you, what I didn't expect. What I didn't expect was um, her off of how I met your mother, peeling off her face and it being Judge Judy. Now that was a good <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, though that was great. Um. Yeah, it was uh, that. That was a fantastic moment, and and that's the thing is, there's going to be moments where, in in the future, where I think back on this film and think, you know what, that was really really funny, but I don't know if I'd go back and watch this again and enjoy it more, or whether it's just that there's these little snapshots that are just genius, but in an overall quite conservative package. That's the thing about all of their stuff, isn't it? There's definitely genius in there in everything they do even if even if the overall package isn't quite up to scratch there's those moments of genius in there yeah but you don't resent it with some people you resent it like radiohead you know (laughs) because you know that they the genius is there and they they could write good songs but they choose not to it's not like they're trying (laughs) it's not like they're trying to write good songs they know they can and they disdain to They think I could write another another okay computer, but no, I'm going to press bleep buttons on my keyboard for 50 minutes again. Yep. Tom York's in the studio <laughs> listening back to the tracks of the sound engineer. He's like, yeah, that sounds like a dishwasher. Drop it. <laughs> what I like to think is that Radiohead go into the studio and every time they record an album that's just like amazing alt rock and uh, then they go, right, now let's remix what we've done. And then what we get at the end is just the incomprehensible remixes of actual songs. Yeah, definitely. And they're doing it just like arbitrarily. He's just got the like Logic Pro project open and he's like, I'm just going to drag the bass over here and the drums over here and the keyboard over (laughs) here. I'm going to add some bleep bleeps. I'm going to go over the top of it. There we go. Job done. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what that's definitely what happens. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, but I would say that I don't know. M- maybe it's just my memory of it, but I think that Wet Hot American Summer is extremely funny, and maybe it's just because it's a 
a more specific genre and they can do more with it. But I think that that manages to nail it a lot better. And then when it go went on to being the the TV series and and spin off and sequel and everything, yeah. Um, I mean, trying to parody all of romantic comedies is much bigger than specifically camp movies. But at the same time, yeah. there are a lot more generic conventions in romantic comedies, so it's perhaps harder to do. And yeah, that's the thing is I do think it's more difficult because they're covering a lot of bases. They couldn't. They don't necessarily nail down one specific thing. I mean, obvious the, the obvious movies that they're aping are things like You've Got Mail because the the plot is yeah my my evil capitalist business is going to destroy your quaint evil capitalist business um, because business is always bad and capitalism is wrong. Sweets um, should be distributed <laughs> evenly amongst the proletariat. Exactly, exactly. Um, Seize the sweets of production. So, so you've got that, you've got male element in here, but it's such a broad attempt at covering all bases. And I think maybe that's why it doesn't quite land as well, because they've got to cover the various friends. They've got to cover the evil ex-girlfriend. They've got to cover the awkward meeting at parties. There's got to be they've a chase. To cover, they've got to cover the, the chase. Yeah. Um, whereas maybe it would have been better if they'd been allowed to have a little bit more freedom to explore the strange side of the comedy, which is where they truly excel. Yes, I agree. They should, they should have made the, like the craziest film ever. Like they should have just made it a really, really loose parody of romantic comedies and then just gone nuts with it. Yeah, which is kind of what happens in the later parts of the Wet Hot American Summer uh, TV series where nuclear warheads and Ronald Reagan turn up. Spoiler alert for whichever one that is. Um, But they really go off the rails with it in a very, very funny way. Um, And I kind of think that maybe if they'd taken a more laid back approach and been a little bit more strange with it it could have been more successful. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy it. I do. I did enjoy my time with they came together i think it's very funny um yeah and it's a quite unique parody of rom-coms in a way that very like i, I was thinking about what's the one with um rebel wilson i was i was going to ask you about that i was going to ask how you thought it compared i mean it doesn't have hemsworth on the saxophone does it but equally it doesn't have i'm fat now guy so yeah this is i'd say this is funnier and smarter and actually a more loving adaptation of the rom-com because isn't it romantic that's, that's the one yeah um because isn't it romantic basically became a rom-com yeah. in the end but did she Whereas get with this, the hemsworth or did she get with the adam adam levine um she got with was well, she got with i'm fat now didn't, didn't she? i think so yeah yeah but the hemsworth guy he was still had a lot of fun yes yeah um so for me this is if you are a rom-com purist like ourselves, yep, we accept only I've... the purest romantic comedies. <laughs> exactly. Um, no I crossovers, think you no could... half-breeds. I think you could get more out of They Came Together than a fair-weather rom-com fan, um, because it is very, very tied into the genre as a whole. So I'd say if you're a big rom-com fan, give it a go and see what you think. You know, it's a very unique brand of humor that you might not get on with but if you get on with the brand of humor i think you'll probably get a lot out of it 
Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. If you think the name Egbert Flaps is funny, then this name, this movie is for you. If you think that <laughs> yeah, exactly. that gets even funnier when they go to a Mexican restaurant and the guy calls him Senor Flaps, then yeah, this <laughs> film is definitely for you. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, and and yeah, it's it's just it's a clever film, and I appreciate it. You don't often get to say if movies are clever where it involves a man wearing a superhero costume shitting himself, but it it is smart. And that's what I like about their stuff is that they're able to combine genuine intelligence and craftsmanship with the dumbest shit imaginable and it working so well. Um, so, yeah. So, so if you are, if you are a rom-com fan, yeah, give this a go, I'd say. Yeah, do, because I feel like it's flown under the radar a bit. It um, didn't seem to do very well at the box office or anything. You don't hear about it much. So I think from that point of view, why not check it out? It's, it's worth probably more worth checking out than some bigger, bigger similar titles, I guess. Yeah. You could watch this or you could watch, I don't know. What's, what's a big movie that's coming out soon. Um, Inception. Yeah, Inception. No, Tenet. That's... That's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Tenet, which came out last year. Tenet Super. I haven't <laughs> seen any films. I don't know what's coming out. You only watch Baby Shark. Ba- Baby Shark on a loop. Yeah. That is the most watched video on YouTube. Did you know that? Is it now the most watched video? Yeah. Or it was the last time I had to answer that question on a pub quiz. It might not be anymore. There might be some dumb nonsense that's overtaken it. <laughs> some some horrible racist gaming man oh yeah yeah it's gonna be um, pewdiepie probably. saying the n-word isn't it <laughs> exactly exactly yeah no I, i've seen every episode of cookie monsters foodie truck that is the best show ever <laughs> very good it is very actually good. very very good and very funny i'm trying to think of what i've watched recently we have been watching the affair do you know the affair is that based on the book um, by Graham Greene? Is that is that the one? I have no idea. Have you gone? Is, is Are you there? I cannot hear you. Are you there? I cannot hear you. telling me about the affair the tv show you're going to tell me about that as something you've been watching recently but just oh yeah before we had a little break um because of a technical issue i'm going to fill that with some bleeps and bloops and then say that that's the new radiohead single i hope you do i hope you do um yeah so the affair is a show about um two people who have an affair unsurprisingly what? so dominic west and ruth wilson have an affair um, and oh, what's yes. interesting about it is that they showcase it in different ways. So the episodes swap from point of view and you'll notice that there's slight differences in the way that people remember the events, which is very, very good, very clever. However, the showrunners apparently were not very good to work with. Um, they lost the plot of what they were doing and 
it descends into absolute soap opera nonsense <laughs> after like the second series. Um, so much so that I'm on the final series of it now. And every so often there's a flash forward to the future where uh, one of the children from the main show is in the future and has a talking toilet and stuff like that. It's <laughs> extremely, toilet. it's extremely bad. Are you sure you um, haven't been watching Lost? <laughs> No, I have not been watching Lost. Um, but it's disappointing because the first series or two is great. Um, like really interesting drama. Um, but then it goes truly off the rails. Quite unlike any other show I've ever seen that starts so grounded. Um, so yeah, so so that's what I've been watching recently, which hmm. is right. it's fun, but it's disappointing. Um right. I will say, say, not that I've been watching, but I have seen most of The Pursuit of Love and Mayor of Easttown because my wife has been watching them and I've been in the room most of the time, but sometimes I've had to skip out to do bullshit like recording this show. So, you know, she watches the whole show. I catch some of it if I happen to be in the room. You know, it's that's that's our deal. I have heard good things about Mayor of Easttown, but it sounds quite highbrow and I do not have time for highbrow things. No, it's not that highbrow. It's It's gripping. Sure, it's about and it's it's about a detective, but it's not like cops. You know, it doesn't push the whole cop thing. So it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I'm I've been gripped by it anyway. It's it seems a bit smart person television for me. The <laughs> too, flash too smart to for you. Toilet, no one in that no one toilets. in that show is called Egbert Flaps. Yeah, no, exactly. No time for it. Kate Winslet doesn't shit in a costume at a Halloween party. <laughs> Which she should do. That should have been in Titanic. Yeah, or Eternal Sunshine, or yeah, one of those, one of those big roles. Yeah, shit on me like one of your French girls. <laughs> that's what they do in France. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that sounded far worse than I was intending it to sound, which is quite something. Well, once um, you're going down the shit road, there's only no. The, it's, eventually, it's all downhill it's from there, reach, isn't it? Yeah. it eventually it's going to reach untastefulness isn't it eventually you reach the ditch <laughs> exactly um so but yeah so that's what i've been watching um but i, I feel is, like i fine. you know i always joke about how i've only seen cookie monster show and yeah sesame street videos which is is actually 95 percent true so i am actually glad that i have sort of seen a couple of things that are relatively in the zeitgeist the pursuit of love was quite good dominic west was in that as lily james's angry dad Yes, that's, that's the good. Lily James thing, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, and that's kind of an accurate way to describe it. But it is—it's based on a, a book that I haven't read, but it's—it's it's quite an enjoyable thing with a very surprising ending that was kind of a bit of a bit of a punch to the gut. So, was there a talking toilet? No, no talking toilet. Is that the ending? The talking toilet. Yeah, that's that's how it ends. Dominic West just turns into a toilet, <laughs> by which I mean he has <laughs> a potty it. mouth. Oh, um, but. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, there's some stuff that that's coming out which is vaguely interesting. Um, Lily James is going to play Pamela Anderson in. I saw uh, that. Yeah, in a, a a retelling of the Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson story. Yeah, the Sebastian story being Stan. that they were on a boat once. <laughs> Sebastian Stan playing Tommy Lee, um, and the photos they showed of it. It's surprising how how alike they look. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some prosthetic work going on and everything like that, but it's quite intriguing. I'm, I'm wondering what the end result's going to be. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm open to that. Yeah, it's, it's an inter- It could be interesting that 
Um, but yeah, I, I, but there's not a lot coming out that I'm particularly excited for. I do want to see the Green Knight, which is. Do you remember Sir Gawain and the Green Knight? Hell yeah, Arthurian legend. Yeah, there it's one of my favorite a, Arthurian legends. There is an adaptation of that coming out, being made by A24 Production. Oh, great! House A24, and it looks very strange. And I'm all the all, all the way here for it. Um, Who's in the trailer it? is out now. Uh, so Dev Patel playing Gawain. Okay, sold. Yeah. Immediately sold. Um, it looks fascinating, and I'm really excited to see it. And if it does well, and it does it well, I think they should give them the keys to Beowulf because I love Beowulf. Welcome to a, a podcast about rom-coms where we talk about Beowulf. Where we talk about minutes. all the things we studied in the first term of our English degree. <laughs> but I, 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 I love Beowulf. I loved it before that course. I loved it during that course. And Have you I seen that shit version with Ray Winston? That's like and weird that's, animation. That's what I was going to say. Is the only <laughs> big budget adaptation of Beowulf we've had is a fucking CGI monstrosity where Ray Winston says i will slay your monster i am beowulf (laughs) that sounded like um a prodigy song (laughs) yeah put that with like a banging dance beat underneath it yeah instead of firestarter yeah i'm your beowulf (laughs) twisted beowulf i will slay your monster (laughs) yeah that i Um, think that is a shit piece that film isn't it I think it might be because I seem to remember there is a scene where obviously Beowulf gets naked because he does he well he does in the in the in the in the poem I think I think there is a thing about how he gets naked and fights a monster but they put that into the film but obviously they don't want to show Ray Winston's CGI penis name of my next punk band by the way um so there's like a cloud of steam going over his crotchal area a lot like you'd see in like a looney tunes cartoon (laughs) and it's just ridiculous it's true some of the other wacky races yeah exactly it's truly awful um and i imagine that i mean at the time it had a severe case of uncanny valley with all of the the human cgi monstrosities but i bet it's 10 times worse now um Ray and Winston i seem to remember CGI that the penis on tour I, now with wolf london and the idiot boys <laughs> on tour with wolf london and the idiot boys um but i i seem to remember that they also messed around with the plot a little bit as well um but of course they kept the naked fight scene in of course they kept the naked fight scene in but i seem to remember they did some stuff about grendel's mother making pacts with beowulf and stuff like that and you're like no you don't need any of that beowulf is big angry man kills monster kills more monsters eventually dies by the hand of monster yeah spoiler alert message being the monster's always poem that's over a thousand years old um but (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, but it's a great it's a great historical text, and I would love for it to be taken out of the hands of book nerds and history nerds, and introduced to a new set of people. And I think a, a movie adaptation could do a really great job of that. It's just a shame that the only major movie adaptation we've had is truly shit. Yeah, 
We need to revisit it at some point. Probably not one for this show, but no, no. It's a potential some point, shit piece, it's, isn't it? Yeah, we. It is a potential shit piece. Maybe we should do a spin-off show all about shit pieces. Yeah, and we can watch. We can watch shit pieces throughout history. Um, which to go. be There's fair, that would shit actually, pieces throughout history. That would be a really fun show. Um, maybe we should do that actually. That is actually um, not a bad idea. Because because there's there's loads of movies that are shit pieces that I'd love for us to watch, like June, the nineteen eighties June. Oh, we're going to get um, around to that anyway, aren't we? When the new one comes out. <laughs> well, yes, when the new one comes out, we'll watch June. Um, but yeah, like oh man, but yeah, Beowulf is great. Beowulf is so good, and the movie's so bad. And I I saw that another version of Beowulf has just come to Amazon Prime, and apparently it's like a a post apocalyptic Mad Max retelling of Beowulf. Okay. that has a rating of four out of ten on imdb um i'm going to watch it because i am curious but i think it might be a truly awful piece of cinema yeah that sounds like a thing yeah um anyway yeah, welcome well, I'm, what to i'm excited Beowulf about cast. <laughs> what i'm excited about is the new chippendales rescue rangers and uh, YouTube served me up a trailer yesterday for the film of the musical Dear Evan Hansen. So, you know, I'm excited about that as well. And I'm going to make you watch that, which you'll hate. So I'm looking forward to that. I have no idea what it is. and I don't want to know. You can just throw it at me when it appears. The songs are by the guys who did La La Land and The Greatest Showman. Oh, it's Christ. about a kid in high school being angsty. That's all you need to know. <sighs> that sounds awful. Um, I did see that. I seem to remember that you liked the comic Sweet Tooth. Yes. There is a movie coming out soon on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm open to that. Which I don't know how good it's going to be, but it's there. Yeah, that'd be worth a look. Yeah, maybe maybe new stuff's not so bad. Maybe there is good new stuff. Maybe there is, but there's also films like they came together from 2014. Was it 2014? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years ago, the golden age. Pre, pre-covid Golden, pre-covid um so yeah have you got anything else you want to say about um about not really i think we've covered it haven't we i mean it's it's not of a lot of consequence but it's it's fun it's a worthy diversion definitely worth your time and yeah it's it's not groundbreaking it's a little bit one note it could have been probably better than it was but everyone in it is really good and it's you know it's it's a laugh it's fun so there ain't nothing wrong with that yeah yeah i i'd agree um overall critically it got a six out of ten um which maybe be a bit critical but given the 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 litmus test which is their style of humor i think it's maybe to be expected i don't think any of their projects apart from the big sick have have been huge critical successes um but yeah what what, i i think overall though it is this you know, it's very, very funny in places. It's maybe not cohesive enough because of its various different parody strands. Um, but it, it's successful in that it is a loving parody of, of the rom-com genre, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, you're probably listening to this show because that's something you appreciate. So we think that you will appreciate this film. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so how are we going to rank this bad boy? Let's see. How many people are sitting in the boardroom when you tend to your resignation because you don't want to work at the evil sweet company anymore and your rival says, don't listen to his word, Jazz? That was a good line. Which is a great line, yeah. Um, uh, So I'm off to go and open my coffee shop, a cup of Rob, 
Um, I would visit and, that shop. And there are fourteen people in my uh, in in the boardroom when I when I give my resignation. Nice. I'll score it just a little bit lower because yeah, on the second or perhaps one and a half watch, yeah, it's uh, yeah a little bit flat. But it's still there's still twelve people in the boardroom, so you know, it's, oh, it's a thoroughly enough. respectable number of people in the boardroom. Yeah, you know, if they all want a cup of Rob today, you're quids in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, cup of paddy doesn't work, does it? <laughs> that just sounds like yeah, some kind of Irish insult. <laughs> you cup of paddy. Yeah. Um, Something that would have been in Wild Mountain time. <laughs> someone in the, in the pub forcing you to drink Guinness. What's the sky for? Shut up, you philosophical cup of paddy. <laughs> yeah. God, um, that was a rubbish film. That was a very bad film. But it is your choice next. It is. Well, I was going to go with a film that had its very, very important 20th anniversary yesterday. Um which is something that we haven't talked about before, but we'll save that one because Charles Grodin died. And we talked earlier about Beethoven, which obviously is potentially my favorite film of all time. It is a film that's very, very close to my heart, but more in keeping with this show perhaps would be to do one of his really classic films. And, you know, not just to skew it towards my memory of Charles Grodin and the things that I love him for, which is being the dad in Beethoven, if I change my shirt, I've got to change my pants. If I change my pants, I've got to change my shirt. If I change my shoes, I've got to change my pants. Just change your pants, George. You know, I, that's what I love him for. But I think maybe we should do one of his most classic films, which is The Heartbreak Kid, which I've not seen, oh, actually. Yeah. So, have yeah, you seen I've it? Not, I've not seen it either, no, but it's one of those classics, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and it seems like perfect for this show. So, yeah, The Heartbreak Kid, 1972. Excellent. There's a remake as well, but we can save that for another time. There is a oh, I did not realise there's been a remake. That does not bode well. Um, no, okay, excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a film I've never seen. So uh, looking forward to this. And we haven't done anything from the seventies in a while, have we? No, no. So, so that'd be quite a nice, a nice left turn. Yes. So you know, brilliant. Charles Grodin, great guy, loads of great, loads of great roles. God rest his soul. Yes. Yeah. He's swirling in the heavens tonight. Yeah, we will have to watch Beethoven and Beethoven second at, at some point. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I know that it's gonna be it's gonna be on your radar for as long as this podcast survives. And Even before earlier be... this week, before I heard about the twentieth anniversary, and then before Charles Grodin died, I was going to give you a choice of Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler, or Colin Firth. Do you want to know? <laughs> do you want to know what those three films were, or should we save it? <laughs> So give give them to me now because I'll forget by the time we come around to watch them. Yeah, yeah, we never we never will. Okay, so it's going to be Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo, um, Fifty First Dates, or Bridget Jones's Diary. So uh, so mean, much stuff there that we need to get through. This is the thing with this show. We think we've seen everything. We've seen nothing. Uh, I am five astounded. We've seen nothing. I'm astounded. We've still not watched Bridget Jones. Me too. So that's gonna that's gonna happen soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fifty First Dates is a film I actually remember vaguely enjoying um so it could have been two decent options there actually yeah I th- <laughs> no disrespect i mean every disrespect to juice bigelow male gigolo yes <laughs> what about <laughs> european gigolo well yeah that's the thing it could have been a double a, bill got a double bill it yeah but yeah i was going to do 50 first dates to ease you into the adam sandler and then you know before you know it it's a couple of films down the line we're watching big daddy yes yeah that's the thing. It's a gateway drug, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm very happy with the Heartbreak Kid. 
Yes, as am I. I'm excited to watch it. So yeah, all those other films. We'll we'll get round to them. We you know we got we got years ahead of us. Yeah, we got we got all the time in the world. Yeah. And let's fill that time by making more podcasts. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed the show and hope you enjoyed They Came Together. If you haven't watched it yet, go and watch it. It's a, a fun little thing. And you can write to us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod on the emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. There's a link in the show notes where you can give us money, kind of like a tip jar, if you like what we do. Yeah, we've got to set up our coffee houses slash sweet shops. So That's please true. give generously. Cup of Rob. Cup of Paddy. Box of Sweet Paddy. Yeah, yeah, Box of Sweet Paddy. That's what they call me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we need we need a lot of money for that. So, you know, it's it's important that you please give generously. Yeah, sounding like a charity drive now. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about The Heartbreak Kid. 1972. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.